Sounds fucking good. Yeah, I was kind of nervous because I'm testing out some new tubes. And, uh... Sounds pretty good. So these, so these speakers are kind of scary because they're a hundred decibel <laughs> efficiency. Right? So like, most speakers are like eighty-seven to eighty-eight, eighty-nine decibel okay. efficiency, which means, for people that don't know, it just means that the lower the efficiency, um, the harder it is for an amplifier to drive the speakers. Okay. So the higher it is, the more efficient it is. So it doesn't take much to push them. So like these speakers are fucking like uh, these are Klipsch KLF twenties from the nineties, and they're um. Can you not hear me well? No, no. Like um, I'm sure it'll be fine. But I also want you to be able to like I don't know. <laughs> I want you to look at me. Gotcha. <laughs> so but no, it was too low. But yeah. you're good. Sorry. So Klipsch. What? These are KLF-20s from the 90s. KMFDMs. And uh, they're like the very... So these aren't the... The KLF-30s were the top of the legend line. Okay. So it means uh, Clips, Klipsch Legend something line or whatever. And it's like... They're not quite Heritage speakers. Heritage is their Klipsch's highest level, which is actually what these ones are right here. Oh, these ones that I'm using yeah, as an end fine. table? it's fine. Okay. The ones that I just reconditioned and sanded and... <laughs> <laughs> they literally have like brand new shellac on them. No, it's fine. They're super tough. They're speakers from the '80s, and they're like they were a fucking steal. I got them off this guy from Craigslist, and those speakers there could go for like I think they go for like seven or eight hundred dollars refurbished. Jesus! And I got them off this guy for Craig's on Craigslist for like three hundred bucks. Well, I'm gonna take my coffee off it then. No, no, my coffee's over yeah, there. Yeah, I was going to say, your, your coffee would slide off because they're on a tilt. If you look at the risers <laughs> on the did, bottom. I did, I saw them, yeah. So like, they're like naturally perfectly set up for, uh, that's how they're supposed to be listened to, like on the floor with that tilt. So they're all horn tweeters. Um, the KG4 is the ones there. The woofer is, uh, I think it's a 10-inch or, no, 8-inch. Those are 8-inch woofers on the KG4s. <laughs> and then they have a horn tweeter. So they're just two-way speakers, but they're phenomenal. Yeah, I got them for like 200 bucks off this guy on Facebook Marketplace, and they needed... I upgraded their tweeter diaphragms to titanium. This guy in Arkansas sells these, <laughs> sells all these upgrades for these clip speakers. Like, that's all he does. His name's Bob Kreitz. Right. And you literally email him, and he emails you back personally. And uh, he, like, awesome. takes your order and just sends you a PayPal invoice. And they're like, for 60 bucks, you literally transform the sound of the tweeters. Because they can be... Sometimes horns can be really harsh. Okay, and, sure. And fatiguing because of the treble. And a lot of these older clips, that's the hang-up that people have, but they're so efficient and they go so well with tubes, that's why people buy them. That's why I have and them. And so you just, you just retool it so that the, yeah. the tweeter's less harsh and then... So I popped in these new titanium tweeters and it was like, they're super, so much smoother and easier. And actually, these ones have them too. The big ones, the KLF-20s. I've already yeah. swapped them out. And then these are the Heresies. Jesus. These ones I've already... So on every tweeter, I put sound deadener around it. Oh, okay. So it's a car sound deadener. So sure, it takes sure. away the resonance because this is plastic. Okay. And I, this is from me going on the forums and like learning about all this shit. Right. 
So yeah, yeah. every speaker in here is I've taken out the tweeters and put Sound Deadener in it. And then I've swapped out pretty much every one of the speakers to these t titanium diaphragms. <laughs> this is, this is And awesome. those ones I actually sent out to him, the crossovers. I pulled, those are completely gutted. So like I pulled everything out of those, except the woofers are okay. But I'm swapping out the crossover in the back. Okay. And and you send that to him, and he completely redoes because they sounded like shit. They sound they sound like there was a blanket over top of them, and that's just the capacitors inside the crossovers right, right, that go yeah, bad. Yeah. So all he does is he takes them back, he takes out the old ones, puts in new capacitors, new um, wiring, and brings them back to factory spec, and then tests them for you so that everything is right. I could learn how to do it if I, I kind of know how to solder. But I yeah, was like, yeah. I really don't want to, because those are really nice speakers. And so I was like... Yeah, no, you don't want to start on that project. Right. Yeah. So I just sent them out to him for 100 bucks, <laughs> and then he, sent, he mails them back to you, like, completely redone, and oh you just God. have to rewire everything Dude, back that's up. that's awesome. But those, I can't wait to play with those, because those are, like, they're sought-after speakers, especially when you upgrade them. That's but, awesome. Yeah. But yeah. You're, like, you're, like, the equivalent of, uh, I don't know, in... Uh, in Dungeons and Dragons and shit, you're like a min maxer. You like get the most out of whatever you have, and yeah. then just <laughs> and then just upgrade it. Until I had no it's idea. Like it was something that I fuck. it was something that I had to learn about. I didn't even know that like guys would take speakers and like modify them and like it's a whole culture of like right. upgrading speakers from factory specs. I was like, no idea. It was very intriguing at the at recording workshop when we went to do the. I went for audio engineering training. There were, you know, all the teacher, all the teachers there had different passions in the audio industry. There were live sound guys, there were right. recording guys, there were musicians who just, like me, like they kind of got into it because they wanted to record their own stuff, get what was in their head out. Mm. Um, but there was this one dude who built his own speaker boxes, and uh, it was just, it was just insane to listen to him go into the science behind the the, the structure of it, the shape. And then, you know, the materials that you're using in it. And so he had this he had this subwoofer that he built that could go down to fifteen hertz or like twelve hertz or oh. something. And so like below twenty is, is yeah. kind of below yeah, your hearing. You can't hear it, yeah. But you feel it. Right. And so he'd turn it on and he'd be like, Go walk in the corner and then walk over here and then walk over here. Right. And you'd walk into the corner and like your whole body was vibrating. Right. Like you were sitting on a roller coaster. But it was it it was awesome to know that you know, he was just that was the aspect of it that he was into and so he his his side hustle was building, you know, car stereos and building building systems for people that, you know, would kind of That'd be so much fun. Kind of blow you off the map. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I certainly have been exploring more the the software side of it, the things in the box that I would use for recording. Um, you know, because it's it's so much it's so much easier these days to be able to record your own music than it's ever been before. I mean, you don't even have to go out and buy a four track and learn how to mix and all that kind of stuff. You just, right. it's really intuitive with some of the software. So getting into like getting to talk to you and getting to, to get into the gear side of it has been really awesome. Cause you know, I just kind of refinished my whole basement. We had the flood back in August yeah. and luckily nothing was, the only thing of mine electronics wise that was ruined was a, a, a UPS power supply surge and battery because it was on the floor and it got wet right. and it, you know, it was dead, but it literally protected the computer and, and everything else that it was attached to, which is exactly what it was designed to do. So, um, but you know, we had to replace all the furniture and I, the drywall and all that stuff. And so 
I took the money and I, I just did it myself instead of hiring somebody to do it for an over overprice and then that's the way to do it, man. And it looks phenomenal. Well, and with the with the leftover money, that's why I could build that mixing desk because yeah. I always I want to have a place where all of my recording and mixing gear is centralized. And now, you know, my 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 partner Mel got me the the Klipsch speakers for Christmas, so I finally have a set of near field. I've literally never had a set of near field speakers in my entire mixing life. Right. You know, twenty some odd years yeah. now. So it's it's like my first set of of flat response speakers. And I then... literally just sold that exact pair of speakers, <laughs> like right before, like before or after Christmas. Before Christmas, yeah, I was gonna say they used to sit up here. Yeah, I sold them to a guy that needed them as rears in his home theater. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I hope which is what I was using them for. They're they're excellent surrounds because they're yeah. like they're ninety decibel efficient. They're efficient. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much that's pretty much the. The central volume that you're supposed to mix at is 90 decibels because it's kind of where the curve flattens out yeah. and you can hear everything, you know, yeah. the lows and the highs all kind of the and same And they're perfect volume. with that amp. They're so easy to drive. Like. Oh, the, so the SMSL, you know, I, I knew exactly who to message. Yeah. <laughs> I just sent you to text. Oh, I didn't even hesitate. I was like, Christmas yeah, bam. day, too. Yeah. I was like, no rush because, yeah. you know, Christmas is right. busy and all. You're doing family shit. But what amp should I send with these clip speakers? Yeah, I think I responded, like, immediately. Yeah. Within Without yeah, hesitation. within about forty five seconds, because that 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 amplifier is my garage amp, but and that's the SMSL. This, this um, is basically this one here is the same exact amp, just in flat form with XLR inputs. Okay, same nice. exact amp, same technology. It just diff looks different. It's got XLR balance. Nice. Yeah. So you told me to get the SA three hundred, which yep, along with the maximizer. That you gave me the Sonic Max. Oh, you using that? I am using that That's now. That's so awesome. So I have, I actually have dual outputs. So when I'm mixing, I can flip it on, right? To just listen to, like, I can just listen to music through my computer, through the interface, the audio interface that I have. I can listen to it, and then I can flip the maximizer on if I want. Right. But I also have it as a auxiliary out. So when I'm recording my guitar, I can send it through the maximizer and then back That's into what the it's interface. Made. It's made yeah. for guitar. So I was like, I got yeah. double usage out of it because it's got two inputs and two outputs. Yep. Uh, I mean, they're parallel, but if you're only using one at a time, then it doesn't, you know, you, I don't, think have, that's you like, don't even have to uh, flip a switch. Hey there, Melomaniacs. It's Mike. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We will get back to the podcast in a second. I just wanted to jump in here to give you a little inside information on this moment coming up, because this is the moment that the theme for the podcast shifted gears to the 80s. Even though I go on to ramble for the next three minutes about a dream that I had, um, there is a very subtle moment of shared appreciation between Sean and myself uh, when the song True by Spandau Ballet comes on the Spotify mix. You may recognize the song from many John Hughes movies featuring Molly Ringwald. So it was kind of subtle in the mix, so I just wanted to point out um, the moment in which we kind of mutually decided that we were not going to talk about classic rock, uh, but instead talk about the glory of the 80s. So I'll rewind the lead-in a little bit and let you get back to the show. Thanks for listening. Peace and love. So I was like, I got yeah. double usage out of it because it's got two inputs and two outputs. Yep. Uh, I mean, they're parallel, but if you're only using one at a time, then it doesn't, you know, you, I think that's have, like, you don't even have to uh, flip a switch. My buddy told me, or I read, that that was, um, yeah, right? That that was like Joe Satriani's like 
secret weapon or like a lot of those 80s like it's so like it's noodling so guitarists funny. like that was like their secret weapon in the 80s was those sonic those bbe sonic yeah. maximizers well and it's just like i still have a really nice one over here like a way better one that like i it's just sitting here it's got like a sub output and everything mm. like, yeah so i'm 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 digging it right now i mean all i've i've just now started plugging everything in and like the couch came today for the, the gaming area of the basement. So literally nice. that was the last thing we were waiting on. I have all the wires that I've ordered. Right. I guess I have a couple of mic stands coming just because I'm gonna, you know, leave a set of podcast ones around. And uh, uh but like the basement is done and my studio is rebuilt, mm. new soundproofing everywhere, and you know, I use the old soundproofing too just to fill it out. So like uh, I'm excited about having a space that I can play and record in again, but also that I can just like sit and listen. Right. Like I'm just the days that I'm working from home. You need your own like little space, dude. Yeah, no, and it's so, great because there's also doors on stuff. that. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we clean, we've already established that we need to to get them out of out of the sound the sound cave. Yeah, it's uh, I'm excited. I'm really happy. But yeah. I'm glad to be back here too chatting yeah dude it's been too long i know it was yeah it's been a while I mean, it was before like thanksgiving yeah and i was like well thanksgiving we're not you know everybody's quarantining again so we're right. just gonna be here yeah, i just knew like two months where we're just gonna be whatever and yeah i was like as soon as the new year hit i was like all right i'm ready let's just do this shirt <laughs> let's do it i need fucking well, human interaction it dude. was it was long enough that i had a dream about <laughs> the melomaniacs podcast so i actually had a dream about it and oh, shit. yeah so it's like my but it was it was weird. It's like this is like my first dream with you ever in it. It's the first time I ever dreamt about you that I remember. You lie that I know of. You okay, lie. maybe it's not. You, the you first don't have to lie for the podcast. That's fine. <laughs> but so like I don't I don't know. What this was, is my first non-sexual dream. This is that, that's what I meant. This is my first. This is the first dream that was uh, I was dry when I woke up that I've had about you. No, so so I was like I was dry. I was driving over here. And I like made the turn, like all this was very real in the dream. And I make the turn, and then you're like heading out of the inn to your neighborhood. And I looked out the window and I was like, hey man, and you're riding on this trike. You're riding on this trike <laughs> motorcycle that I no lie, the only way I can describe it is that it looked like a big wheel with a motor. Right. You know what I mean? It was like super low to the ground. It was way too small for you. And you're just like riding, you're like, what's up? But I still made it look hot. But you still made right? it look <laughs> gangster, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, where are you going? Like, aren't we podcasting? And you're like, no, you said you were busy, so I made other plans. And I was like, I did. Oh shit. And I like I start panicking in the dream, and I'm like, no, this was this was when we were gonna podcast again. And you're like, later, let's let oh, no, you were like, check this out and you turn up the stereo and like it's like the stereo's bumping in this big what? wheel that's got like no roof and you're like right okay had a take system it easy, in the man, trike, later yeah. in the tricycle and then you like drove off and i was like man and so but it was like it's it so was funny you remembered all that oh my god it was but it was real enough that when i woke up it was one of those dreams that you have where you're like Oh shit! That sucked that I missed podcasting yesterday. And Can then we talk like, about how, how sexy this song drive around on a big wheel? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like as you wake up, you're like, wait a minute. So yeah, no, That's I like so wrote funny. that shit down. I oh, opened, did you really? I, oh yeah, I yeah, opened up I my email, shit, dude. I opened up my email and I put on text, uh, voice to text, That's and funny. I just start like talking. And this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. I sent myself an email so I would remember it because I was like, I'm, it's definitely time to podcast about some music again because yeah. like. I've been I've been hyper focused setting up the the music studio, so I've been appreciating and I've been plugging stuff in, and so yeah, I'm ready to ready to rock. But 
<laughs> I can tell you. Can we you talk what, about how how sexy this song is? This, <laughs> this is yes. I I have um. I have a weird relationship with 80s music I and that love I think that, 80s music. See most of it I can't stand and right. it's like in general right. just like synthesizer I'm not into it the like canned drums I'm not into it but there are songs that trigger that like and a lot of them are soundtracks because right, I watched right. a lot of movies as a kid and sure. a lot of them way earlier than I should have cuz right. I had older siblings but shit like this um the fucking the the end of Breakfast Club, like those songs, any of those songs will will seriously trigger nostalgia. Um, Tainted Love, stuff like that. That like Tainted Love, I never even really liked that song until I started playing it and started covering it and realized it was like right in my vocal range. And now I'm in love with that song. But yeah, I um. It's hard. There's some. There's some eighty. Because when in the eighties, what I was listening to was like MC Hammer and Millie Vanilli. Like I was so deep into pop music in the eighties that it wasn't until. I mean, it really wasn't until like ninety one or ninety two, in middle school, when I discovered like Alice in Chains and Nirvana and stuff like that, and kind of got my own. But yeah, in the 80s, I was all like, whatever my dad was playing at weddings, because right. he used to DJ, whatever my dad would play at weddings, that's what I listened to. So it was like Technotronic and Boys to Men and all that I, kind of shit. But, but 80 songs from movies right. hit like hit me right where it counts. Yeah, I have, I really, it was like a guilty pleasure for a long time, and now that I'm older... I really love 80s music, and it's um, not just because it's become very kitschy and very um, trendy. Right. Uh, it's really well produced, a lot of it, and it's very slick mm-hmm. um, compared to, like, the music that I grew up with. Like, we grew up with the 90s, so everything was, like, fucking... Yeah, everything was cranked uh, way up. Yeah, very distorted and muddy and... Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of the 80s stuff is very sparkly and, and glamorous and... Uh, and part of me likes some of that just for the fact that somebody knew what they were doing in the studio. Yeah. Um, Production-wise. Like, they, a lot of it's really well put together. But a lot of it reminds me of growing up um, being... My mom worked a lot, and... You know, my parents worked a lot, and I was younger, and I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house. And I had older... My mom had younger brothers that were kind of like... They were my uncles, but they were kind of like my brothers, too, because we weren't that far apart in age. Okay. Like 10, 15 years apart. And so, like, <clears throat> my Uncle Andy was still living there at the time. He was only 10 years older than me. So I was, like, five, so he was, like, 15. And this was, like, the advent of MTV. Oh, So, yeah, like, yeah. in the early 80s, I mean, it was literally on in my grandmom's house nonstop. Like, it was all... So I literally just grew up on 80s videos. Right. Like, just sitting in front of the TV watching 80s videos. <laughs> and I just digested all of it like a sponge. And, like, that was where I was exposed to a lot of the 80s stuff. And so it definitely hits a nostalgic thing for me. Right. Um, growing up, you know, and being at my grandmom's house and, like, hearing a lot of that stuff. But the videos were so vivid. And they were so... Like, at the time, like, MTV was... Like, you can't even explain to people... To kids nowadays, like, what MTV was like. No. And, and we were kind of on the younger end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when it first came out, we were young. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. if you talk to people... like, four or five when it... Yeah, if you talk to people, like, five to ten years older than us, like, it's 
MTV was the greatest thing ever created. Like it was like so big. Yeah. Like that's you got everything from MTV. <laughs> like your news. Like your yeah. Everything. No, that's, I mean, that's true. I don't even like. I don't even think about that as much because my brother, my brother's ten years older, and my sister's eight years older, and so from her aspect, <clears throat> she was all into like they were both into heavy metal, eighties metal. But my sister was more like the hair metal side, and my brother was more the the Black Sabbath, ACDC side. Right. And um and so any anything that was ever on with MTV. I I vividly remember like the Jay Giles band, like Centerfold video, yeah. mm-hmm. drumming on the milk, like images like that are fucking burned in my head. Yep, yep. The cars, dude. Oh my god, dude. The yeah, cars yeah. are really, really. I I have a feeling this is going to turn into like an eighties podcast. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, we were going to talk about classic rock, but I think like. 80s is definitely is a good topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's what they classify it as classic rock now, which is right, painful. Right. I mean, <laughs> some grunge is now cl- yeah. being played oh, on, oh. like Pearl Jam and shit is being played on MMR. You know what I mean? Right. So we're getting just getting old. But yeah, 80s. No, I can definitely talk about 80s. That's for sure. And I think there's a lot of people out there that have 80s fetishes. They just don't like talk about it as much because it's kind of like it was a very silly, fun decade. And yeah. like it was the birth of the video, the music video, and also, um, you know, glam, glam metal, and a lot of those hair bands, and that you know, like yeah. people, especially in the nineties, like it was like, dude, grunge just killed that whole genre. Right. You know what I mean, so it was like very uncool to like that kind of music for yep. a long time. Oh, I used to mock my buddy for listening to Depeche Mode because I was all into Megadeth and shit and he was like Depeche How could you Mode mock awesome. Depeche Mode, dude? Because Depeche was, Mode's actually cool. I know they are. I'm talking about like Poison and fucking <laughs> Warrant and shit. I know, but I was an elitist fuck. Depeche like, Mode is like an elitist <laughs> fucking band, dude. <laughs> I know. Okay, you're right. You're right. I was a I was a trashy heavy metal elitist at the time. Um, but no, I came to love them actually. Blasphemous Rumors is the song that he played for me that he was like fine you know you don't like Depeche Mode fuck you listen to this Depeche Mode has some and good he played stuff. blasphemous rumors and i was just like oh shit this is a straight up like anti-theist song he's and got a I fantastic voice yeah yeah he does he um, really does <clears throat> and the cure same oh. guy same guy turned me on to the cure i never i never got down with it cuz it was too like oh i'm so everything's great oh and i was like robert smith is a little much but yeah, yeah. but and i didn't want to i didn't want to hear that but that's that. what's great about him i wanted you know to I mean? hear like, fucking sweating bullets yeah, yeah you wanted aggro yeah. yeah but it, i but, get it dude i had such i have such a love for the cure now because oh, of dude, him. Disintegration is like one of the greatest Disintegration albums ever. Disintegration is the best album ever. It's so good. Um, yeah, even there, the, the 80s, the other thing about the 80s too is that it was like, because I'll, I'll listen, we'll put on Spotify and it will just do like an 80s mix or whatever. And I will know every single song, but when I go when I go to my phone and I open it up, I'm like, I have, do not recognize this band at all. I do not recognize this band. I do, so it was like the, oh, so it was like, the the mecca of one hit wonders like that's where i feel like one hit wonders finally finally ended their life was in the 80s no then, I, it, then it came back with yeah, pop, you know pop 80s, music will always be one hit yeah but the 80s is, has a extraordinary amount of one hit wonders yeah. compared to other decades yeah Yeah, I did not appreciate his voice 
for what it really was. Just like I didn't appreciate the musicianship and the cure the way I should have at the time. But looking back now, oh. I bet I could do... I bet I could make a pretty dope playlist of songs that turned me on to bands. You know what That's I mean? A good idea. Like, like that that first song that I was just like, ah, shit, all right, or or changed my mind about a band. Right. You know, for Sublime it was doing time. For Depeche Mode it was Blasphemous Rumors. For The Cure it was Fascination Street because they got that bass line, that bass line in the beginning. We weren't even into the song, and I was like, okay, The Cure is cool. Just because of that baseline. Oh. Do you want to hear how loud this gets? Yes. Yeah. No, let's do some. Let's do a volume check. That's eleven o'clock. That's eleven. It stays clear as a bell. That's no, amazing. No distortion. No distortion. Yeah. 45, yeah. 45 Whopper Channel 2 band push, pushing those gigantic speakers. All right. Because they're 100 decibel efficiency. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, it's... It's a good addition to the sound case. Yeah. They're good. They can just be better. The problem with them is that these speakers actually... I should probably get into the story behind these speakers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one last thing about Depeche Mode. Oh, yes. Is that, just in general, um, I really regret the time that I spent trashing this band for being lame. So, for what it's worth, it's out there now in the ether. Depeche Mode is fucking awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, so what's the deal with these massive three-way speakers that you got? Those are also clips? Yeah. They're okay. the, they're the, oh, K- those are the, the, the KLF 20s. 20s. So they came in 10, 20s, and 30s. Um, those are 10-inch wolf, two 10-inch woofers. Um, so you really don't even... I, I'm not even running a sub right now because they are they hit so hard. I can only imagine... I haven't even hooked them up to a solid-state amp yet. <laughs> I can only imagine how hard they would kick with a solid-state amp. Right. Um, and I'll, later on, I'll play some like electronic like hip-hop music. The problem with these speakers was... The only issue was that they were built and the company that clips... Um, bought the glue from so like the baffle boards on the front and back so like basically the MDF that's surrounding all the drivers sure they rattle so the glue comes loose uh. and it starts to sound like a 1992 Honda with like two 15s <laughs> in the trunk and no sound deadener so they they literally slap right so like when I have when I'm playing certain decibel like certain Hertz it's not everything. Like sure, some yeah, things yeah. I can turn it up really loud, it just perfectly. Just yeah. it's just certain songs and certain types of music at certain like high levels, and they you can literally hear the boards like rattling, and it drives me fucking bonkers because these are fantastic speakers. Like they're they're the pro- they're easily the best speakers I've ever had. Yeah, but that's the only problem with them. So okay. And I was going to take them apart this week, but once I found out you were coming over, I was like, I'm going to leave them and wait until we do the podcast so that Mike can hear them first. Then you take them apart. And then I'm going to, so literally tomorrow. Like re-glue them? I'm going to take them apart. I have to take all the woofers, drivers, take everything out. I have to gut them, basically. And then use a heat gun 
because there's still glue on there, and it's called melamine, so it's this like fucking toxic glue that you can only. So you have to Dremel it off, sand it off, oh, shit, and then re-glue it with um, either wood glue or liquid nails, which is what I'm going to use. Okay. And this is all stuff that I found out on the forums because it's a common problem with these speakers. So Klipsch actually sued the company that sold them the glue because it was defective. And they actually, when these were new, they were warranted. They were they were sending replacements for free to people, like oh, for first dang. owners. Sure, yeah, yeah. But like people like me, like just twenty years later, I'm shit out of luck. Right, right? you're like, yo, I need my replacement. Yeah, <laughs> these are super hard to find. Like these are going for a lot of money on eBay, or like they're pushing fifteen hundred bucks for these oh, on eBay, shit. and they're twenty something years old. I got them for like seven hundred bucks. Okay. Still kind of high for like having loose baffle boards, but it's a, <laughs> it's a lot. But it's also less than half price. But these are the type of speakers that you put. Is. So if you put that type of work into them, like what I'm doing, like I've already sound deadened the the the, the, uh, the horns, and I put in new tweeters, and I'm going to um, the titanium ones. Yeah. Okay. I've already done that. Uh, I'm probably gonna when I take these all out. I'm actually I haven't done the middle the mid range horns. Those big mid range horns. Uh huh. I'm gonna rebat. I'm gonna put Deadner on those too, which is awesome, by the way. Because you mentioned, you said, listen to the mid range in this, and yeah. I. And it took me a second to kind of like sit back and go, oh yeah, shit, like it's clear. You can hear it so really well muddy. with like um, jazz. Like I'll play jazz later. Okay. Um, that's when you really like these things shine with the tubes and with jazz. Like it's the mid range. You you realize the difference between a two way speaker and a three way speaker pretty quick. See, so you can hear it now. I can hear yeah, hear the rattle. But imagine how good they're gonna sound when I take that away. Yeah. Like, cause that's that's screwing up all the bass frequencies. Welcome to my world. But the the vocals are so clear. Step right through. These are badass speakers, dude. They're way too big for this space. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. But uh, I don't know what I'm... I can't... I don't think I could force myself to get rid of them, especially after I, if I put all that work into them. They'll probably come with me everywhere, and I'll probably sell the well, other two. I was going to say, it's their... I don't know if you ever have to, to sell them. Oh, they'll flip easy. <clears throat> yeah. All of these speakers, like the KG4s, is the smaller ones next to them, they're like really trending up right now. And I actually replaced the tweeters, and those have brand new woofers in them. Oh, okay. Because the woofers were, uh, the voice coils were messed up, and they were rattling as well. And I, I couldn't figure out what it was, but as soon as I switched out. So they actually, they don't make replacements for these. They make close to. So I found a company in Minnesota that actually makes, that sells woofers that are replacements. Because those KG4s are from 1984. So like, right, you know, right. you're not going to find that shit. That's and they're sick. four they're four ohm speakers, so they're two eight ohms. They're eight ohm woofers that are like passively crossed over. Say, you can definitely tell that I never invested much time into researching speakers. I was always looking up microphones because I was worried about what can, what what can I afford? What's good? What do I? What's on my wish list one day? Speakers were always so far out there. The like I had never even heard of Klipsch until last year, and um. The fact that they've been around since the 90s is kind of hilarious. But I've never, like I said, I've never really been in the, never really been in the market for them. You know, I've always either had, like, whatever I could find, you know. I, yeah. I, for the longest time, 
a freaking uh, uh, like half stack, Fender half stack where my speakers and my stereo when I was in high school because, um, you know, the amp that I was using had quarter inch out. And so it just went, it just went to these, these two, you know, about the same size as, as these speakers. Um, but they were just like four, six inch woofers, basically was the, the whole speaker, just like a line, just a six inch line. Right. Cause it was, it was intended for a guitar, but you know, when you're, when you're 16 years old and you have like a rack stereo system and two four foot, two four foot badass speakers, it still feels good no matter what the quality is. Yeah, I actually made a a ridiculous '80s playlist on title, and it's like almost all master level recording shit. And I listen to I listen to it a lot. Like I really you know love that's it. that's actually something I wanted uh, to touch on. Thank you for saying that again because you mentioned it earlier about the production in '80s music. Yes. And, um, you know what what's what's so amazing about it is not only was it pre digital. So everything was everything was analog, everything was tape. Oh yeah. I mean the sound quality on this song, like yeah. this recording, even if it's a shitty fucking playing on anything, it sounds good. Yeah. It's like one of the cleanest recordings like ever put down. Yeah. So good. And he has such a clean voice. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the cool thing about the 80s is that it was, before we got into the 90s and people started, you know, engineers were, were purposefully overdriving stuff and doubling things and recording multiple guitars, you know, Drain You in Nirvana has eight guitars like that. I love that song. That, yeah, that guitar riff is eight different takes. I never knew that. Layered over top of one another because Butch Vig is Butch crazy. Butch Vig is nuts, yeah. yeah. Um, but in the, like in the eighties, in the seventies, recording engineers were were musicians too. They were just they were just doing the board. Like the board was their instrument. When shit needed to to boost for a solo or pull back for a vocal, like they were manually doing it. So there were times where you had like a forty eight channel board and you had three engineers in there, and they were literally learning when and where to boost and pull back on the faders and then now here's where we engage you know here's where we engage the effect and here's right. where because they had to do it all live because they were recording directly to tape so the 80s like benefited from all these all these experimental engineers who basically did like a dance a whole dance number on the board while the band was playing or while right. not not while the band was playing because they had the recordings but when they went to do the master and they're playing everything back they're like, you know, it's like an orchestra, but yeah. they're moving faders. And so the 80s was like, because there was no digital, there was no automation yet. Like, that's like the last true bastion of engineers who were just as much fucking artists as, you know, Absolutely. a piano player or a guitar player. Absolutely. And like, I feel like in the 90s with people like Butch Vig and, and um, fuck, now I can't remember his name. Fucking Beastie Boys and all the hip hop. Rick Rubin. Right. Um, he, like, like they really were sort of the the last ones to sort of experience that as digital took over. So I feel like it's the 80s was like that peak right before it was time for another evolution. You know, and I think there's a lot of great things that came out of the evolution, but you will never have, like, the, the engineer booth dance, you know, where there were four guys lined up. Right. And everybody knew which fader they had to go to when and... Just to create a master track. 
So I think, I think uh, it's another reason. It's another thing where I should uh, appreciate it a little bit more, or have been appreciating it a little bit more when listening to the '80s music. When you're like, you're like, you know what? That that boost right then on the solo was not automated. Like right. maybe if it's a remastered track, they did it. You know, they did it that way with automation, so it was a little cleaner. But when you're listening from a vinyl, like they were, they were doing all those moves themselves. I mean, there's so many bands from the '80s that a lot of people don't even like know about. Yeah, ter- like like these like this is New Order. Okay. So like New Order basically was an offshoot of Joy Division. So like Joy Division, if you have, if you know music, like Joy Division was right. fucking super instrumental in ushering in the '70s, like the late '70s, early '80s new wave movement. Mm-hmm. And these guys were like, so after, um, what's his name? Their lead singer committed suicide, um, and he was phenomenal. And they formed the rest of the band formed New Order. Okay. Um, Ian, uh, Ian, I can't. I always forget his name, but like he's one of the coolest live performers I've ever seen in my entire life. He had a totally different style. Um, like he would do this weird twitchy like movement when he would sing, and he had this really deep baritone voice. Okay. Um, if you listen, like Ian Curtis. Ian Curtis, yeah. yeah. I had to Google it. Yeah, I'm glad you did because it would have driven me nuts. But yeah, they actually did a, a movie about it, about him and about like because he struggled with severe depression and. They had him on like all these barbiturates. He had a uh, epileptic disorder as well. Oh shit! So he had like a seizure disorder, and uh, he ended up hanging himself right at, like right when they were about to like explode. And then, you know, they formed this huh. band, New Order, which I love. Like, I have yeah. Like this a, is not something I've ever heard. Or, I have a again. soft spot for certain synthesized like just very 80s sounding music especially the earlier 80s like this stuff like before 85 where it was like new wave like i fucking love like i love new wave like yeah cure these guys like a lot of those bands like from the new wave like um talking heads uh the police just there's so many like just huge bands that like people forget that like the 80s was like where they were at right the smiths the Smiths. fucking Smiths yeah. are, in my opinion, probably the greatest band to come out of the '80s. But that's <laughs> just my opinion. But um, talk about like totally different and info. I could probably do an entire podcast just on the Smiths. Oh wow! And Morrissey. Did you ever get into them? No, no. I mean, I, I know, I know them. I know. I you're know hurting. Songs. You're hurting my soul. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, again, it's, I feel like I missed, I missed a lot of boats in the 80s. And, All right, um, so the thing with, um... That's what I mean, like, going back to Spotify, like, a song will come on, I'll be like, I know this song, it's pretty good. And I look at the band name or the artist, I'm like, no idea, never heard of it. Never heard of it. The thing with the Smiths is that I didn't get into them myself until high school. Like, I didn't even hear of them. I had never heard of the Smiths right. or Morrissey, and I knew a lot of '80s music. Like I grew up on it, but it was not—they weren't mainstream. They okay. weren't like very popular, like on MTV. They were more Europe, like England, a very British band. And Morrissey is a very like 
cerebral, like sad, like just he's a whole right. other character into himself. And well, yeah, I was gonna say he's. I know more about him as a right. Most people know Morrissey but, as a joke or an icon or right, a, you know it's right. like Moby. Right. Like you know, right. you know more about an artist yeah. than you do about their music sometimes. But um, he's one of the greatest vocalists and lyricists easily in the last probably thirty years. Like he's incredible. His lyrics and his vocals so good. He's so smart because he's very educated. A lot of his a lot of his lyrics come from like obscure like 18th to 19th century like british literature like he's very he's very he's a deep dude but he's also very he's got a flair for the dramatic and a lot it rubs a lot of people the wrong way he can you know well i certainly don't mind drama so johnny marr the guitarist who wrote all the music for the smiths is a fucking genius like bona fide genius like he's written some of the catchiest guitar riffs i've ever heard in my entire life hmm that's why it like really, really pains me to hear that you haven't like gotten into the Smiths as a guitarist. Yeah, anytime somebody is like, no, guitars and lyrics and vocals, and I'm like, uh, it's kind of my thing. The Smiths are literally they're the they're, they're the total package, dude. But it's people get caught up in some of their stuff, like just the bass line in this song alone. He's the king of the jangly guitar. Copied by Mike Mills from R.E.M. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. So this is where, I mean, this is who we got it from. I just totally killed that song because I hit my phone. Well, you said R.E.M. and the speakers were like, no. But he's like, these guys are very similar to like, if I had to explain it to somebody, it would be like The Cure, but a little bit darker and okay, a little bit more... Um, Jangly. I think the biggest thing working against me in the 80s was that my sister was listening to a lot of dance-centered music. My dad was doing all the party 80s music, and my brother was listening to Guns N' Roses and Metallica and Megadeth and, and ACDC. And so, like, all those... the The sort of, like... New wave, one day will be emo, you know, one day will be grunge bands were completely unknown to me. Right. Because I was like, I was, I was a, a, a child of MTV, so I saw all the, all the hits in the big videos, um, you know, and, and, and what was around me immediately was more like, um, you know, listening to uh, More Than Words from Extreme. And Love of a Lifetime. Oh, I love that song. Love of a Lifetime by Firehouse. Dude, More Than Words is great. That's a great song. Great. And I have wanted to I have wanted to learn how to play it and sing it successfully for so long. I can sing it at karaoke. Sure. Somebody else will do the harmony. Right. And and sing it like I will sing it. It's the a shit great karaoke it. song. But I just want to be able to play it and sing sure. it. Sure. Or and and sing either part. So I gotta teach myself the harmony too. Ugh. Fuck I love great that song. song. I mean, I don't know the the you know the message might be a bit much these days. I don't know that you love me unless you bone me. Did you ever see the Jack Black and um uh uh not Jimmy Kimmel Jim Jimmy Fallon cover of More Than Words? 
Sometimes I think so. YouTube Jack Black and Jimmy Fallon right. more than words because they I guess. they do the whole video. They do the whole video. Yeah, they do it seriously. It's, it's black and, and white. It's yeah, it's fantastic. Cover. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually. I remember a saying it. It's stellar so cover because yeah. Jimmy Fallon can actually sing. Yeah, when he's um, he's such a better uh, performer than he is a fucking TV host. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Um, but yeah, that's that like that's certainly the world that I cover. I love this though. Like you're you're gonna. I will. I will research the Smiths. And this I is, will take time. To and a lot of these their... songs I just discovered recently. Like this song right. I was never into. And title has this the Smiths Masters playlist, and it was like ridiculous. And the sound quality is like through the roof. But like just their production and like their sound is so different than anything that you yeah. were hearing in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. No synthesizers. Nothing like that. No, this like like this sounds like 90s. early Radiohead. Sounds like nineties music. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're timeless. Like their music always sounds good. Mm. They're probably in my top five artists of all time. Jesus, anybody? Well, I definitely have to give it a listen then. So everyone's homework. If you don't know the Smiths. That's what I've been loving. That's what I've been loving to do is a shuffle a whole artist discography playlist. Yeah. And when there's certain songs that I really like, I'll check out which album it's on and then make a note. Um, that's how I got way into Idols. Um, oh, idols. Man, I wish I had my Aussie friends introduced me to them this, this yet last year. I got into them last year and I oh. fell in love with them. Listen to this baseline. That guitar! That's a a flying bullet for you. It's a kick ass song, dude. Damn! Uh oh. One of my favorite Smith songs of all time. And that's actually a um, an alternate version of the song. Really? Yeah. Which I find it's way superior than the version that they put out, like the mainstream one. This was from like the John Peel sessions. Okay. And uh, John Peel, man, that motherfucker gets around everybody. <laughs> so like, yeah. So like, this this was from a album called um, Hat Full of Hollow, which was basically okay. all of the European versions of the songs that they put out in the states, but way better. And I actually have it on vinyl, and it's one of my favorite vinyl albums ever. <sighs> it's a That's whole so wormhole. Good, like the Smiths are a whole fucking wormhole. I, I think, like, I think I get it. Like, I get even just listening to this little bit. I get the Morrissey like worship. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's great. They're like the British version of like the Smiths, but better. Like, it's just it's unbelievable the amount of catchy songs that they have written. Huh. Like and I'm sure you know the, the their most famous song is um How Soon Is Now which is you know from the Kraft soundtrack <laughs> No remember that awful movie <laughs> I um, do I love the Kraft and it's been in like so many sound it's like easily their most popular song of all time it's like 8 minutes long How soon is it's now. it's got that I'll play it right now It's got that super I'm sure I will the that title ridiculous is ridiculous guitar opening 
Okay, yeah, yeah, nice. Like, it's not even on my playlist because I'm so sick of this song, but fantastic song. If you if you had played this for me and asked me who the artist was, I never would have known. You wouldn't know it was the Smiths. Never would have guessed yeah. the Smiths. But you've heard it a million times. Oh, yeah, I'd have been like, the Eurythmics? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't fucking... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's... It's a real, it's a real sexy voice. Yeah, I get it. It's a seven-minute song, and it just, but it's the guitar in it. It's just one of those songs that you just you hear it, and you're like, you never forget it. Well, and it's like the the funny thing is, literally, what I said at the beginning of this podcast. The reason why I never got into '80s music was because I didn't really, I wasn't really into synths or cam right, drums. Right. And so far, they've got neither. No, they're it's like legit rock nothing, band. Yeah, nothing just, but real instruments. They did all the their own out. shit. Like Johnny Marr, like if you get into Johnny Marr, like like he's done stuff with, he's still doing his own stuff, and he's also he produces a lot of records for like British artists and uh, like big people. Um, he's easily one of my favorite, and I've seen him on YouTube where he shows like how he does these guitar riffs, like he'll show people like how uh. he does, and it's like watching like Michael, you know what I mean, like Michelangelo like paint, like right. he's just like. And it's so easy. Like, he just makes Ugh. it look so simple. And his riffs are, like, very basic. But the way he his sound is so, like, you just know as soon as you hear a Smith song. I'm like... Unless you're me and then you think it's the Arrhythmics. Right. But, but like, no, this, this song is actually sounds a lot different. <laughs> this, is, this, this song is kind of like a one-off. It doesn't sound like a lot of the Smiths. Yeah. It's very dark and, like, almost industrial in some ways. And this is like Trent Reznor got a lot of his influence from the Smiths and like okay. yeah, yeah. this whole movement, like new wave with these guys. But they were on the other side of the pond and they didn't they weren't as big here, you know, among mainstream Americans. Right. But I didn't know until I got into Marcy in high school when he uh, released um, Box Hall and I, which was like 93 or 94. And it had that song. um, the more you ignore me, the closer I get. You remember that song? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I heard that for the first time on the radio, and I was like, who is that? Like, that voice. He's just got the coolest voice. And the lyrics were so, like, kitschy and, like, really cool. And I was like, and I went out and I bought the album. And I and it's, to this day, it's one of my favorite albums of all time, Vox Hall and I. It was like because he had a, it? he had a Vox. whole Vox Vox Hall V A U X H A L L and 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 I and it and he was he had a whole solo career because the Smiths only put out so many albums before they broke up because they were very volatile and he's like he's an asshole he's a complete prick which <laughs> most geniuses are sure and uh, you know he was getting all the attention and he went off and did his solo career and that was like one of like one of his he had a bunch of records in the eighties and then early nineties. But that was the first time I heard him, and then a buddy of mine who I was in school with, he was like, well, you know that he was the lead singer of the Smiths, and I was like, who? And he was like, are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? So, like, he gave me his two, my, my buddy Chris Kleinberg, he gave me his two best of Smith CDs, which I ended up keeping, like, forever. I probably still have them somewhere. Okay. And I saw them at my 20-year reunion, and I was like, dude, I was like, I just want to thank you for, like, the greatest... CD gift gifting of all time, even though you only let me borrow them and I never gave them back. 
<laughs> and he was like, dude, it was worth every penny. He was like, if it exposed you to the Smiths, I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, I credit you every day with exposing me to the Smiths. And then he writes songs like this where it's like, Girlfriend in a Coma. It's so, like, his, his lyrics are hilarious. I know it's serious. <laughs> it's like this happy song. Right, I guess it is serious. Like he doesn't give a shit. This is oh, I know. Please, please, please. Let what me get what it? I want. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's from the um, Ferris Bueller soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, I know that. That's a great song. Again, if it was a soundtrack in the '80s, I know it because I watched too many movies as a kid. This whole album, literally, if like if you're ever gonna get into Marcy, I highly recommend this album. Just start from the beginning. All right. The 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 production value is like ridiculous. When this song like kicks in, when everything comes in, it's one of my favorite openings. So full. His backing band in this album is ridiculous. When you feel happy, I'm so far from your mind. His voice sounds so good on this song. We're just like eating up fucking recording time. You're gonna have to like edit all this out. Yes, we are. Yeah, while just (laughs) listening to music that is copyrighted. It's funny. So much of the music that I was into, I feel like it's not really, it's not really worth going into. Like we could, we could talk about Megadeth and how impressive those, you know, they were. But it's just, I mean. the heavy metal that was popular in the 80s i feel like it was it was popular because it was it was a great departure from most of what was happening but it's because of bands like black sabbath that started yeah. in the 70s yeah. creating heavy metal and i, I never and I got think, into any of that that was not my scene at all yeah well like so much of the metal in the 80s too is just kind of lame like yeah. i don't i do not listen to megadeth anymore but right if i hear a megadeth song that i remember i'm right. still like rocking out to right. it because it's nostalgia well some of metallica's early stuff is awesome is it metallica's like metallica's injustice for really all is a fucking masterpiece it is it and is. i'm not and I, I dude i hated metallica for a long time because it's just i hated that whole scene right that whole just that vibe of the dudes that like those bands. Yeah. Well, I just couldn't get down with it. But then as I got like, I didn't get into that album until I was older. So yeah. I got probably in the last 10 years, like, I, cause I would hear guys be like, listen, dude, just don't listen to the fucking black album. And that's the only thing you think of when you think of Metallica. Right. And they were like, my one buddy was like, just try sit down and listen to and justice for all. Or, like, put it on when you're about to go lift weights. And Justice for All. And I was like, holy shit. And Master of Puppets is is pretty wild. Yeah, like, like, uh, just for sheer, like, just absolute madness with the guitar, like, they get my props. Absolutely. And drums. Yeah. Lars was pretty badass. No, it's totally insane. Um, But, like, other than that, it's like Millie Vanilli, which I think is a whole other, (laughs) it's a whole other world. Dude, I was so into Millie Vanilli. I think I was in seventh grade when that seventh or eighth grade yeah. when when their Grammy got taken that was away nuts. from them. And it was again, it was like my sister was a dan- in dance, and so there was always these dance recitals every year, and there was always modern dance, which was like 
very geared towards, you know, is like lyrical dance, but you do it to the to modern like pop music. And so she did stuff to Millie Vanilli and CNC Music Factory and like bands like that. Can you even? Find and I their will shit still. Anymore? Oh, I don't know. I probably because somebody owns their rights. But yeah. like I, I'll still get down with some Technotronic and Salt and Pepper and stuff like that from the. Does that really mean that much to you, <laughs> girl? You know, you know it's, it's true. true. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You can't I, deny that beat, though. I know. Well, and I did not expect you to play it. It's literally lifted right off a CNC Music Factory oh, album. Like, oh, yeah. That whole sound. And it was two fat white dudes doing all the vocals for this album. Yeah, they picked, like, these two German fucking models. <laughs> yeah. Black yep. models from Germany. Yep. Oh, my God. Dude, I had the VHS. I had the like behind the scenes VHS for Millie Vanilli that had all their videos. Their moves. But then in between was first like backstage stuff and yeah. behind the scenes. No, their videos were insane. And so I'm in like, love, girl. I, I played out my first copy of this cassette tape. I wow. played it out in my boombox. I would listen to it so at night. So you were devastated when this came out. Oh, God. They were like, they're lip syncing. And I was like, I don't care. I haven't heard this song in like 30 years, dude. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes, you know it's true. Was this like 89? Oh, oh, oh. Well, that, I mean, I was in seventh or eighth grade, so it had to oh, be no, no. 88 it was, or was the 90s. Well, it was the early say, 90s. Because me and you were the same age. That, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, I graduated grade school in 93. So, it would have been like 92 or 91. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying right, to think about so when like, it would actually come out. We're steering off of top off of the 80s. We are. 89 is when this came out. Oh, really? Yep. And then okay. and then Robin Fab tried to do their own album so, after yeah, the So, yeah, so it was fact. 89. Yeah, yeah. so I thought. But then Robin Fab tried to do their own album after the fact. It was like a rap album and and nobody liked it. And then one of God, one of them committed just, suicide. Think, uh, yeah, yeah. One of them committed suicide. Well, he was into drugs and shit. Yeah. Oh. It decimated those two guys. Oh man. Oh yeah. Their I mean, lives were awful. over. Their lives then, were over. And like because it wasn't their fault. No. And but you, they got all the blame. And all then, the hate. And then they they also It's one of the best VH1 behind the music's ever. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. And they also got like they they got shredded in the media and then they became um like it became oh you're gonna milli vanilli that you know what i mean yeah. like they became a punchline uh, uh, yeah 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 for they, years and like it's crazy because there's a lot of people that <laughs> like because this is like a black mark on the music industry right and a lot of people have no idea yeah like that like our generation knows about it and like right. older but like could you couldn't even make this up no. Like, you couldn't even... Did you know, like, when I was growing up, like, i tell my kids, like, there was, like, these two German models that, like, pretended to be, like, a pretended group. To be and they had, like, four number one hits. Like, oh, yeah. Like, huge. Oh, yeah. So much money. And they... I remember I didn't even understand the first time, like, when my sister was like... Ba, 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 baby. They got their They got their Grammy taken away because they were lip syncing. And I was number. like, so what? So they were lip syncing to their own music when they were doing it. And she's like... No no, 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 someone else was singing yeah. it. They just went on and performed. And I'm yeah. like, well, like karaoke? <laughs> no, they were not singing. And right. I'm like, oh, God. Like, it was but took back so then, long but to like, process. But, like, you can get away with that because, yeah. like, with this type of music, 
You're not expect. You're expected to lip sync live. Oh yeah, no, they. You're not expected you, to play is, this shit live. This anyway. is. I want it to sound exactly like the album when I go to hear it live. All right. So All you're right. literally just playing the album through the speakers yeah. while people are faking yeah. playing the synth and yeah. the bass. That's all it is. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It, it really was. It really was like I was so into it. I had this little black Sony boombox that I would put the tape in. It was this. And oh god, what else did I wear out? But like, like the Batman soundtrack. Oh in my god, I remember that. The Prince, yeah. Prince songs on Batman. Fucking oh. Prince, holy shit! Prince, there's an there's an eighties god. Dude, I Prince, mean, he blended into the nineties. Prince but, was such an animal, dude. Whew. But yeah, I would I would listen to this. I would listen to Blame It on the Rain. I would sing along because I was also a, you know I was in chorus and all that, so I would sing all the songs. Jeez, they were everything. <laughs> Blame it on the rain. They were on the Cosby show? That's they right. like did a guest spot. They were everywhere, <laughs> dude. Show? They were doing Pepsi commercials. It was insane. Uh Dude, he was such an his guitar work. Yeah. He is a master of like nine instruments. And he, he's written more he wrote more hit songs for other people than I think he did for himself. But he was just—he was an absolute maniac, super eccentric. And then, who like just that whole time, he was just—he was a heroin addict, basically. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so sad. Like some of his live stuff, where he just goes up on stage and just like decides he's gonna play blues guitar, he will fucking destroy anybody. Like legit badass guitarist, like on the highest level. Yeah. No, I feel like he was really, Prince was really an artist that just did, like, kind of like David Bowie, people like that, like, they had a song or an album or a concept inside them, and they were just like, everyone get the fuck out of my way while yeah. I get this out. Yeah. No, he was a complete and maniac. And, like, like you said, he could go up and play a blues guitar, but, like, if that wasn't the thing that, for him right now, what this song needed, then it wasn't going to come out. Yeah. Like, he, he would, would just go deep. He would, like, show up at, like award shows or like concerts and like just get up there with the guitar yeah. and like do like a Jimi Hendrix cover like and make it sound like better than fucking Jimi Hendrix like he was insane insane but then he would write this kind of stuff it was like so 80s so synthesized yeah and I never you know again at the time I, I was a kid so I never I'm not a, I'm not him. a huge Prince fan by any mm -hmm. but I totally respect like all his music some people are like I mean hard like people fucking love Prince you know what I mean oh yeah yeah, no, I, I think he's an, an insane artist in the best way. It's just so sad, like, the way he the way he went out. Like, you just, you're so rich, and you're so powerful, like, nobody tells you no. Like, if right. you have unlimited funds and a just wicked fucking drug habit, like, what, like, it's amazing that he even lived that long. Like, they said that he'd been living like that for a long time, like... It's, it's so sad. Yeah, with like a doctor just feeding him yeah. whatever drugs yeah, he wanted. Yeah, whoever, whatever he wants. Whatever felt right, whatever worked. Like, there's no way that I could become like rich and famous. I would die like within a week. <laughs> like, I would totally. <laughs> I but, like, that. not now, but like, if I had become rich and famous, like when I was like in my early 20s before I got sober, like, right. I would totally be dead in like a week. Oh, yeah. Like, I was such a disaster. Like, right, yeah, no. It was you like, be, here is unlimited money. And unlimited access to drugs, have at it. And right. I, I would live like they would. I would just disappear. Yeah, no, they would. They would find you and your Lambo wrapped around a pole somewhere with enough 
with enough drugs to kill a horse. Yeah. A band that a lot of people shit on now, but a huge 80s band that I'm a big fan of is fucking Genesis. Oh, okay. You can't deny no, some I'm... of Genesis' songs and like they're do they they know how to put together a hit song, man. Yeah, no, I'll get down with Phil, Phil Collins. Phil Collins is the shit. Yeah. yeah and yeah. anyone that says it otherwise is a moron. <laughs> and he's a badass drummer. And he's got a great voice. He does, yeah. It's raspy as fuck, which was not typical. But to be able to sing and play drums at the same time, yeah, just like playing the bass guitar and singing at the same time, typical. Because you're driving the rhythm section, but you're singing the melody. You know what I mean? Right. Like the sheer amount of like. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Listen to that horn section. Those horns got you. So good. Like punches you in the face. That opening. You never talk to me. He was such a genius at putting together just catchy shit. But the whole band is really, really good. And you can't deny like the power of these songs and In the Air Tonight and the studio. Like they put out so many hit songs. Another band that really used the brass section. I, I can only think of American Psycho now, though, when I hear oh, this. Oh, yeah, when you hear this? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Which That's, like, the shame. best scene in the movie, too. It's so good. But then there's, like, bands, like, like you were saying, like, the one-hit wonders in the 80s yeah. are some of my favorite fucking songs. Oh, yeah. Like, this song, I never get tired of hearing this song, ever. But, like, if you want to pick quintessential 80s sound, this is it. Yeah, yeah, the synth bass Oh, right so good. You can't not listen to this type of music and not be happy. Everybody was on coke. Everybody was making a ton of money. Like, this is the 80s in a nutshell. Right. Even artists were rich in the 80s. Like, everybody was just having a good time in the 80s. That's why, like, they hated us so bad when the 90s came along and, like, and grunge and everything because everything was so depressing like compared to like the 80s it was so bright and sunny and neon and then like the 90s was so different you probably you have no idea who this is right I just had humanly I just made it I just listened to it right so I could figure it out don't you want me baby oh man it's so good oh Fucking human league. Ah! Yeah. Who is it? I didn't know. I had to search. The Go-Go's. Fuck yeah. The Go-Go's. The Go-Go's. Nope, I had to search for that too. Never heard know. this one. I mean, I've heard the song, song but I didn't know who it was. I didn't know who it was. Dude, the Go-Go's are legit. Hey, 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 h
Like you can't not be happy. Listening to this. Well, that's the funny thing too. Is I never knew what this song was called because I never knew that's what they said. Our lips are sealed. Yeah. I thought it's it hard was, to understand. I thought it was how does that feel? Right. How does that feel? I'm just like, oh, these these Eastern European bitches. It's a fantastic song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I always thought it was like, how does that feel? The Go-Go's had like three or four huge hits in the 80s. The Bangles, another band. Bangles, Susanna Hoffs. Dude, she's still a fox. I've seen pictures of her online. She's still smoking hot. She's actually hotter now than she was in the 80s. I believe that. And she still performs. Now, this whole album is actually a sleeper of an album. Every fucking song is good. I had this cassette. Came out. Hold on. Fine Young Cannibals. Oh, Came okay. out in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, This guy's got a ridiculous voice. I like, I like them. They had a different song, though, that I remember. Yeah. But this was the better one. <laughs> I was going to say, their, their hit hit single was... Um, Fuck! What was it? But yeah, they were. I mean, they were always a pretty, a pretty dope band. Um, we mentioned, uh, we mentioned the Cars, right? Maybe. Yeah. Easily the best. Easily my favorite Cars song ever recorded. Rico Kasich. Who's the lead singer? This is the same guy that did all right. of, that did um Weezer produced Weezer's right. Blue album. He actually became a huge producer after the Cars broke up. But that beat is so fucking infectious. And then that guitar riff. It's a great love song. Since you're gone. Another band that had just like 10 number one hits. But that's my favorite. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at... I found VH1's list of the top 180s one-hit wonders. Oh, dude. And there's some great shit on here. There's like Come Hell On yeah. Eileen, Dexie's Midnight Runner. Yeah. I never had... I never knew who that band never was. never knew that? Nope. Flock of Seagulls I knew. Dude, I ran so Flock far away. Flock of Seagulls is one of my favorite 80s bands of all time. Aha's on here and Soft Cell with Tainted Love. Um, Bow Wow Wow, I Want Candy. Like... Oh, dude. Actually, dude, I got into Bow Wow Wow. Like, their catalog. Oh, no. Their shit is... Dude, the drumming... All right, so now... <laughs> I didn't know it, Hold but... Hold on, I'm, Dead or Alive, You Spin Me Right... You know, oh, Spin Me Round, song. we know that. Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It. Eddie Grant, Electric Avenue. I'm serious, Mike. If you looked at my 80s, this late... Uh, there's 95 songs that I put together on here. Nice. Of, and, like, a lot of those are all on that list. And they're all master quality title. Cutting Crew, I Just Died in Your Arms. That's a good one. That's a great song. Send Me an Angel, remember that song? Yep. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I love that song. (laughs) I remember that shit. Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. Oh, I love Edie Edie Brickell. She's a whole other creature. 
because that whole album is fantastic. It is. That's what I was gonna say because well, you know that because Paul she was dating Paul Simon. Yeah, and that's but that's what, all his production. Wasn't he the one that was like, you don't need the new Bohemians, you should do solo, and it just tanked her yeah, career. No, that album is uh, actually one of the most underrated albums of all time. I really, I that's I was gonna say that's one of the deep dives that I have done, and I There's love. There's another that. song on that album. What's it called? Just Friends or something. That's like the lyrics in that song are so good. It's about like, it's about, I think it's about like a breakup or like getting a divorce or something, but it's like, it's just heartbreaking. But it's so, like her, the music's ridiculous. Yeah, her, I love Edie Brickell. I'm so glad that you like her. Yellow That's did Oh Yeah. <laughs> that was in like six different 80s movies. Yes. Yellow. Taco putting on the Ritz. Lady in Red. in so many movies in the 80s. In a Big Country by Big Country. Oh, no, I don't remember this either. You'll know it once you hear it. Buggles, video kill the radio star. Yeah. This song, I remember this, is so big. It's a really bad report. Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians had an album in 2018. Yes! Yes! This is fucking. Um, Truth Point Blank. Hold on. Yes! Yeah, yeah! It's the best scene in the movie when they fight in the hallway. Gross, Gross Point Blank has a great soundtrack. It's also one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did a fantastic job with this that soundtrack. soundtrack that soundtrack is phenomenal because it's not an 80s movie but since they're going back to their their high school reunion i'm i have such a huge crush on mini driver in that movie yep like yep she was at like that movie and then she had just done goodwill hunting and i was like with the curly hair and those eyes and she was like she had the accent i was like oh my god <laughs> her character in that gross point blank movie was like so hot too like it's so good she had so much personality yeah yeah, she's the radio DJ. Yeah, love it. Like the perfect woman, you know. You were like, "How could you leave that chick?" <laughs> I feel that way about a lot of John Cusack <laughs> movies. Yeah, you're like, when you wa- <laughs> Ioni Sky. Like, when you, you watch thinking? High Fidelity too, it's yeah. like that. He's like, "Oh, I had this awful. I just had this awful sex with Lisa Bonet." What a- yeah, like, I was what like the Lisa Bonet. Why yeah. are you walking away? Why are you obsessed over... He's like, oh, okay, I to- well. She's totally out of my league. I shouldn't have any... I have no business even being with this chick. I have no business being That there. was the best part about it. Was that he realized that. And yeah. He was like, it's never going to go anywhere. How did this happen? I don't know. That's like... That's another one of my... Maybe Dude, John Cusack movies are like... They're just the best. Oh, yeah. He's, he's actually got his own genre on my DVD shelf. Along with like Chevy Chase has his own... It's like Chevy Chase movies are together. I think I actually, I think I also have Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis 
like they have they have like their own movie section oh, rather than dispersing it amongst the genres. But yeah, J- John Cusack has his own section. That's phenomenal. Because I have Say Anything and Better Off Dead and Gross Point Blank and High Fidelity and even 1408. That's like, that's like the Pantheon. Yeah, it is. It is. That's oh. like a John Cusack shrine. <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> Better Off Dead was one of my favorite Better Off Dead 80s movies. Is my favorite 80s movie. It was so I literally good. bought the DVD last year because you can't get it anywhere. You can't rent it anywhere. Yeah. I had to buy the DVD on eBay <laughs> and, and watch it with my kids because like I was like you have to see this movie and it's totally not for kids at all. Right, yeah, it's very inappropriate. It's, yeah, it's times. totally inappropriate for my 8 and 10 year old but <laughs> <laughs> but Really, I did it for my wife because, like, Krista had she had never seen she it. had seen it, but like didn't really remember too right. much because she's like four years younger than me. So that's a lot, and like, if you take into account if you the eighties, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. I remember that movie, and I remember like as I got older, it got better and better. Oh, yeah, it got and like funnier. now when I watch it, I literally like I laugh my fucking ass off. Like it is so perfect, and it's so weird, and it's so it's just like the best eighties movie yeah. ever. And I think I think the uh, that's what, the other thing is that the movies in the '80s would be like a whole other podcast because the '80s movies were so awesome, so good. And it wasn't just like it wasn't just like a, a John Hughes suck fest. Like I know he was a big part of it, right? But there were so many, like even just like indie films that yeah, blew up, absolutely, and got big, or like. Fucking Caddyshack. Right. Now, Caddyshack by no means is like a great movie. No, it's a horrible but movie. But just the story behind, like, right. the fact that they really didn't have a script. They just yeah, kind of had a basic idea of where it was. There's a whole, like, setup in the beginning of the movie that never comes to anything. Right. Like, it's her, so like, weird. Yeah, thinking they want to get married and stuff. And some then, of the scenes with Chevy Chase is, like, some of the craziest, funniest, like, yeah. and all improv. It was all improv. Bill Murray and Chevy Chase yeah. just kind of, like, improv. They do whatever took, they want, yeah. <laughs> took the whole movie. Yeah. But like, and then meanwhile, there's like new a drugs. Of, yeah, great, good. <laughs> every day, every day, good, good. <laughs> every four, like fourteen year olds getting drunk on the golf course while oh, they were making the movie. You couldn't oh make that movie God. in any other any other decade. No, like there was so much. Like I watch movies with my kids now that are, that are from the eighties, and I'm like, like the Monster Squad. Oh yeah, dude, that movie is so inappropriate. It is. Like, dude, there's just so many like. Just stuff that you can't get away there, with now. He's taking pictures of his sister. Yes, <laughs> like, like I, the whole time like, I was like oh, watching, yeah. I was like, I don't right, remember not his sister, this. But his his friend's sister. I was like, pictures I of. don't remember any of this when I was a kid because like we just took it for granted. <laughs> right? Like that's how movies were. Yeah. No, I I am I'm so close to like letting my kids watch it, and I'm <laughs> they're like I'm like yeah, it's Wolfman's got Nards. Like that's yeah. that's not that. Bad. My wife was never here for any of those movies that I'm mentioning. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Right. She would come home, and, and of course they dime me out right away. <laughs> They're like, "Daddy, let us watch this movie," and they said, "Nards," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god!" But Chris is like, "What are you doing?" Like, yeah, well, I, was like, I, just I was like, "I'm exposing them to what was what I had in my youth, <laughs> exactly." But I didn't realize oh, yeah. until in real time, you're sitting there watching it with your kids, and you're like, "This 
doesn't fly anymore. Yeah, like, no, they, you I don't can't watch want them shit. to be this cavalier with, yeah. with derogatory terms. Like the, kid, or the kids anything. are smoking yep. and like they're just they're bullying. Like there's just so much stuff that goes on to these like the Goonies. Oh yeah, dude, some of the shit in the Goonies is like totally not appropriate for kids. Yeah, I need to watch that again before we watch it because I get very excited about movies like that that I want to yeah. share. Yeah, and you don't um, realize, and you, you're like, uh, like I remember the Fratellis being kind of scary, and then I remember I remember Mal talking about weed like right. hiding weed but I didn't know what it was right. when he starts talking, listing the drugs that they hide right. in the dresser so shit like that and w- but I did one thing I did do because I have watched it multiple times over the years um, this Christmas we watched Die Hard oh, with yeah. my 10 and 9 and 7 year old did you and really? It, yeah I, I, could, I don't think I could pull that off yeah well and it's like like I probably shouldn't even say it but it was <laughs> the the violence that's in it like the shooting Despite it being a movie about you know him and right. and you know shooting terrorists right. and everything, is is minimal. Like right. oddly enough, right. like it's just the language. Yeah, it's yeah. so much of the movie is just about him like hiding and right. trying to. They're trying to figure out what it's. Dude, I used to on. pretend I was like Bruce Willis in, Me too. in my house. Like I was playing like Die Hard every day. I I, mean? I even had a toy MP5 gun that right. I had my dad. Help me put a strap yeah. on. Yeah, just like, so, oh, yeah the wife. On. You had the, the wife beater and like yep. the pants, with no shoes on. Yeah, I had him give me an house. old Zippo that had no fuel or anything yes. in it, just so I could flick the Zippo. Right, like right. I was crawling through the vents. Oh man, no, yeah. I was right there with you. Which is how I know that I was way too young. Way too to young watch. to watch that movie. Yeah, but for them it was like nothing. They're like, whatever. Like we know it's. Oh, I wasn't allowed to watch that stuff. I would sneak off and find ways. Oh, like, man. Yeah, my, my parents, parents had cable. Like, once we got cable, like, they, they didn't have parental controls back then. Right. So, yeah. Like, if my, my parents, parents would if just they let weren't me... around, I would sneak sneak downstairs and watch shit. That's funny. Yeah, well, again, I think it was because my siblings were older, were 10 and 8 years older, that right. I would watch stuff with them. Like, I right. remember, I remember watching movies with the whole family. Right. And there'd be, like, a topless woman or whatever in it. Right. And my, my folks weren't like, oh, shield your right, eyes. Right, right. Like, they didn't care about that quite as much. Right. But there was also no, like, I don't know. There weren't really many proactive conversations either about it. Right. So there would be, like, drugs, and I'd be like, what are they doing? And they'd be like, don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> they exactly. just blow it yeah. over. Yeah. Or I'd, like, I would be playing with my Star Wars figures and be like, you bastard. And my dad would yell at me, and my mom would be like, he doesn't know. Right, and I was like, "But they, they said it in the movie. That's all. I'm just right, I'm just right. repeating it." Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times the '80s, when parental controls didn't exist. A lot of things didn't exist. Oh yeah, there was like, I mean, like we would literally, I would leave the house with I had zero protective equipment on, and I rode a bike yep. every single day. Me too. I never yep. had a helmet. I never had any knee pads. Like, none of that shit. And we used to get fucked up all the time. Like, yeah. I would crash into shit. I'd come home all messed up all the time. I survived. Yeah. Like, in the cars, there weren't, like, you didn't, car seats, like, you had them for, like, a year. Mm-hmm. And then you were kind of on your own. I remember <laughs> like, where you were a baby, and then, like, after that, you were, like, you grew out of the car seat. It was, like, there weren't, like, boosters and, like, all this other shit. And it wasn't, like, you know, all the airbag like you just got thrown in and it was like whatever happens happens i remember driving to my grandparents house they lived in harrisburg so it was like an hour and 15 minute drive and i remember literally sprawling out in the back seat right like no seatbelt. i was just playing with toys and i'd roll in dude the station wagons with the huge fucking things in the back facing backwards (laughs) 
Like that was normal. So good. Like you think about like how many how many children died in the back of this thing. Oh my god. Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Just from the sheer force of getting thrown around the back of those cars. My dad. My dad never wore a seatbelt. I never wore one until I had kids. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. because I grew up like it was not a big thing. Like we, my parents. I don't remember it being like as it is now. You know right. what I mean? Like now, like I get in the car, I'm like, put on my fucking seatbelt. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't, yeah. it's like the first thing we do. Because my son tries to be cavalier and he'll try to sit back there as long as he can yeah. without wearing one. And like he thinks that I'm not onto it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to like reach back and be like, put on your seatbelt. God damn it. That's but like they never not saw me. They've never seen me not wear one. Right. Like, so like I, as soon as my daughter was born. I literally I started wearing a seatbelt because I was like I was like it's not just about me it's anymore. It's got to be a habit. Yeah. It's not about me anymore. You know what I mean? Like what if I get fucked up this kid's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cuz I remember Krista would be like how do you why why aren't you wearing a seatbelt? Cuz she grew up in a north like a well-adjusted <laughs> Westchester family. family with yeah, money yeah. and they're like they all wore seatbelts. <laughs> they were safe. <laughs> And I'm from like Dirty Delco where it was like whatever. <laughs> that 4 years makes a lot of difference. <laughs> the 4 years does make a lot of difference. Yeah. And she's oh, like, how man. do you not wear a seatbelt? And I'd be like, I don't know. It just gets on my nerves. And I just, I dude, I never wore one. That's funny. Yeah, I, I wear it. I, I, I remember always wearing it as a driver. Like, my parents were always big, like, when they were teaching me how to drive. Like, right. My dad taught me how right. to drive. And he was but once I learned like, how to drive, I took that shit <laughs> off, dude. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I ever, uh, ever took it off or not. I mean. Well, it all kind of melts together. It does. The lack of safety. Ugh. Like, yeah. everybody smoked. Everybody smoked. Like, I grew up, like, there was ashtrays in, like, my grandparents' house. Yep. Like, they had the floor ashtrays. Like, imagine that now. Like, small children walking around with those, remember those floor-standing oh, ashtrays? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, all it took was, like, a stiff fart, and they would knock over. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, we had these big, I still have one that I, you know, I don't even smoke, but I they I still have this one giant marble ashtray. I love ashtrays. That was at the that are, like cool ashtrays. Yeah. I have like a weird fetish it of was ashtrays. From the farm where my dad grew up. So awesome. it was like this like this huge it's one of the last things that I have of it. They so have cool. this old table that um where my like, grandfather remember made. Remember the tables with like they were built in, like the ashtrays oh, yeah. were built into the tables. <laughs> oh yeah. Like in the middle, you know what I mean? Dude, I feel like my first one of my first flights there was a smoking section oh even my God. in high school. Holy I went on a shit. flight. It was to France, so it was like, you know, France Air or whatever. Oh, well, it, they all smoke over there. Yeah, yeah. and it, there was like a smoking section in the plane. In the plane? My parents. Dude, we're old as fuck. We are. <laughs> Holy shit! Could you imagine you that smoke? now? Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think I ever experienced smoking in a hospital, but I very much remember like they my did in dad, the eighties. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I remember my dad smoking in the lobby of like yeah. of places. Yeah, like if you were waiting for like your wife to have labor, like they had places yeah. for the men to go to smoke. Just and go stuff. smoke your cigar. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Because it was only like, and it was only like 30 years ago. Like, it's not like it was like 50. Like, right. But like, it's weird to say that. Like, 30 years ago. Like, yeah. when we were growing like, when we were little kids, like, how different. Even just the shift from the 80s to the 90s mm-hmm. in terms of how nanny state everything became. Yes. In terms yeah, yeah. of children's safety and like all that stuff, like yeah. smoking and health and like all that shit. It was funny. It was like right around the time, right around the time that there was a kid because I was in little league. My dad was huge into baseball and coaching baseball, and I remember there was a kid who got hit in the chest with a ball, and he had a heart attack. And then they started patting kids up yep. like crazy. And it was around that time that I feel like it really started. There really started to be a huge safety push for kids. 
that like very late 80s, early 90s. Well, you know, the Reagan influence, pretty much. Um, so the, I just remember so much, so much safety equipment after that. But yeah, I very much rode my BMX bike with no protective gear. Played in the backseat of a car or in the bed of a pickup truck while my, <laughs> while my you know, people were driving all over the yeah. place. Yeah. I remember riding in the back of pickup trucks. Yep. I had two Not friends. far, but like, you know, like my dad's work truck. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, oh, we're going to drive around the block to go get some ice cream. Yep. You guys can pile and in the back of the truck. The yeah. Because, yeah, like, I, as a kid, you're like, yes. Yeah, I had two friends die in the back of a pickup truck that had a cab on it. Oh, my got, God. Got hit. Somebody ran a stop sign, and they were two kids. It was fifth grade. They were two kids in class with me. Both died in the back of a pickup truck. Could and you then imagine? After that, after that, my parents didn't let me ride in the back anymore of the station wagon or whatever. But yeah, man, it was. Imagine being like having to explain that to somebody. Yeah. Like if you had somebody else's kid in your car and like that happened. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was the the guy's son and his best friend, and the guy driving was fine. Like his dad was fine. But ooh, what's this? It's not good, the string sound on that. It's the song I was trying to think of earlier by Edie Brickell. Ooh, it's called okay. Circle. Circle, okay. The lyrics are so good. Me, I'm a part of your circle of friends. And we notice you don't come around. Such a different voice. I think it all depends on you touching ground with us. But really, a smart songwriter. Her vocals are. Her vocal is like. Technically, it's it's good. Like she's a good singer. She's on pitch. She's not flat or anything. But she introduces so much personality into yeah. the tone of her voice yeah. that it completely stands apart from from equally good singers. Nothing. This is the song. It was Yes. I love this is this is actually my favorite song on the album. You can hear Paul Simon in this one. That's a Paul Simon record. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right out of Graceland. But the lyrics this reminds me of like me and my wife's relationship with how I deal with emotions. And it's all about like the song's called Nothing, and it's like when I ask you what's wrong and you say nothing, it means way more than like what it, what you're really saying. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. See here's the problem with when you get into hi-fi, the problem with when you buy a really good amplifier and really revealing speakers. They're very revealing. So, like, when I hear a song, like, so many songs that we hear that we take for granted, when you listen to it on regular playback, like, on a regular run-of-the-mill stereo or whatever, Bluetooth, whatever, your phone, it hides a lot of the bad recordings inaccuracies. Yeah. So, like, and I had no idea. Like, I would read, like guys reviewing stuff and be like oh re- they're very revealing and I'm like what the fuck are they talking about <laughs> what does that even until mean? I actually bought nice stuff and now it's like there's certain songs I can't even fucking listen to now in this on this system because it sounds so bad like because you can hear oh, yeah, everything yeah. so like this 
like this is so now I can tell a well-produced, well-recorded album. Sure. Yeah. Compared yeah. to like a mediocre or a poor one, and it's a shame because a lot of my favorite music <laughs> from the '90s, right, sounds like absolute dog shit on this system. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like it's it's absolutely crushing sometimes because I'll hear stuff and I'll be like. I really love this song, but it sounds bad. I can't. I'm just gonna have to put it on the the earbuds. Because like again. now I can't unhear it. Right. You know what I mean? Well, thankfully, so much of the music in the '80s was well produced. Yeah, the '80s. <laughs> we can at least the, enjoy some, that. Some of it can this. be pretty harsh too, but um, a lot of it depends. It depends on a lot of factors. It depends on how you're streaming it, your digital analog converter, your. But in this particular system. With this amplifier and these particular these speakers pick up everything, like every little thing, and even at low volumes, like I'll be listening to music, and I'll turn it down so I could hear somebody to talk upstairs, and sometimes I'll just sit here and I'll leave it at like that low volume. It's still crystal clear, like yeah. even low. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, well, that actually sounds really good, <laughs> like because I'm so used to blasting my face off down here. Right, right. But like sometimes I've with these I've become, I've started to like hearing stuff quiet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's um that's a it's a nice little mixing trick too when you're when you're recording or, or producing something. It's like again, like ninety decibels is that, that flat response that you want to listen to it to. Right. But then there's once your ears kinda relax, turn it way down to where you can barely hear it and then listen to it. And that's when you can kinda tell what's like, Oh shit, the guitar is way too loud because that's all I can hear now. Or yeah. like that snare hit you know, the snare is like too too loud, too crisp. Yeah, and your ear, so, your ear is on a totally other level in terms of like that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I think I think you I think you know it. I think I just I, all I did was learn how to put a vocabulary to it. Right. I think right, the, right. the appreciating that the, that you have and the amount of time spent listening. I think you probably have all the same stuff. I take that as a compliment. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. This was yeah, awesome. Yeah, we should wrap it up. We should. We didn't even... W- welcome to the Melomaniacs podcast about the 80s. <laughs> we didn't even say hello. No, we, we didn't. just started we just rambling. jumped right into it because it's been so long. But yeah, thank you. This is a killer setup. It's a... Uh, I mean, as always, it just keeps getting killer. It looks like it's multiplying, so... Yeah, there's a lot of old wood speakers down here. Your speakers are down here like Netflix and chilling when you're at work, yeah. making other little speakers. <laughs> But uh, it's awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. Hopefully and we, now, can, we can do more of these not every three months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I definitely want this uh, this winter break to have been the longest hiatus we take. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got some stuff to listen to now. I'm going to go go dive deep into the Smiths and Morrissey. And oh, yeah. I'm going to go find this Edie Brickell and oh, the my New God, Bohemians yeah. album on vinyl. Because, wait, what's it called? Shooting Rubber Bands at the Stars. Shooting Rubber Bands at the Stars. Yeah. All right. I knew it was, it was a Grammy. It won the Grammy that year, I think. Okay. Yeah. Damn, she really did have everything. God damn it, yeah. Paul. Paul Simon. All right, guys. Sweet. Well, thank you, man. Till next time. Yeah. Peace out. Listen to that horn section! So good!